0: Boy, aren't you ready to hear the Word of God? I mean, boy, that is a, such a blessing already in itself. You know, we got to see Jamie grow up, and that in itself is a blessing. So thank you, Jamie and Kaha and Christine, for singing that beautiful song. Can we say thank you one more time to them? And I think it's true. We all want to be blessed, don't we? I, I think we, we want God's blessing. But sometimes we can get being happy and being blessed mixed up. And we want to learn the difference of being blessed and happiness. Because there is a difference. The Bible also will use different translations and have the word happy instead of blessed. And it's not because uh, they're trying to say be happy. It's the reason why they have the word happy in some of the translations is so that it's easier reading, so that we could understand, okay, I understand a little bit more about what it means, but it's not being blessed. Now, we want to learn the difference between that, because if the Bible is putting happy in the place of blessed, we want to learn the root behind what it means to be blessed. Did you know that there are many people who are blessed? And blessed people are happy people. But listen, not all happy people are blessed. I remember when I was going through my season of learning and when I used to drink and get drunk and things like that. And before I knew the Lord, I thought, this is life. And I thought drinking and getting drunk was life. And you become happy. You know, if you watch people who drink and they get a little tipsy, they're happy people. I love you. And they love everybody. They're so happy. But then after a while, after what they've eaten comes out, they're no longer happy. And neither is anybody else. Isn't it interesting that we think being blessed is being happy? And then I thought, okay, maybe, maybe being blessed means I have things. But I remember we would have things, we could buy things, and when we had a lot of money, we could buy things. But although that made us happy, we weren't living a blessed life. When we were coming to know the Lord, Heidi and I, and, and we were living together, we weren't married yet, and, but we were happy, but we weren't living a blessed life. Not until we understood that God had a greater blessing for us and He wanted to bless us in a way that only He could. And I think we want to learn what it means to be blessed. Not just happy. See, happy actually comes from the word HAP, H-A-P. And that means luck or by chance or by accident or what is happening. It's happenstance, the surroundings, what is happening around us. And I thought... God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be blessed. And when we're blessed, we become happy. See, I think if we understand the definition of being blessed, then we'll understand what it really means to live a life that is joyful and happy in the Lord, not just having things. I even would attend church and, and was happy that I did. But because I wasn't living according to God's standard, I was so far from being blessed. And we want to learn the difference between the two. You know, we say it all the time. We say, you know, count your blessings. Count your blessing. And and that's okay to say, but it can almost give me an inaccurate definition of what it means to be blessed. Because if I count my blessings, really I'm counting things. And I start to count the things that I have. And of course, family, yes, absolutely a blessing. Sometimes when they give attitude, I don't know if that's really... But just at that particular time, you're thinking, okay, this is not a blessing. But the person, they are. And so we would count, what, what are we blessed by? But if it's things and having things, then that means I can be blessed without God. If that was the definition of blessings, if it was having things. But it can't be because of having things that that's where blessings are found. Because if blessings were things, what about those who don't have much? But if you look at their lives, they're living a blessed life. And if that were so, what about those who are doing illegal things and have more than I do? Does that mean that they're being blessed by God? Because if that were so, then my conclusion would be, the more I have, the more I'm blessed. Therefore, I can be blessed without God. If that was the definition of blessing, then why would we need God to live a blessed life? What does it mean to live a blessed life? In your bulletin, there's some notes that you can take out and and it'll help you to follow along with the scriptures. But we're going to come out of Psalm chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verses 1 through 3. And the Bible gives us a clear picture and an illustration... a word picture on what it means to live a blessed life. And in Psalm chapter 1, it says... How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked... nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers... but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does he prospers yeah you'll prosper when you live a blessed life now again get out of our minds that prospering means to have things that's not it's a part of but it's not the the wholeness of living a blessed life blessed that word means to go straight that it's like you're you're heading in a direction that you make progress or to be made happy. Not just to be happy, but you're, you're made happy. In other words, living a blessed life is not dependent on circumstances, luck, chance, by accident, or what is happening, but something that is made. Living a blessed life means that I am one who does not stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That I'm not one who stands for unrighteousness. I don't stand for what is evil, but I stand for what is good. That I don't I don't stand in the path of sinners. And we're all sinners. But what that means is that I don't make my journey, my course of life, sinful. That, that's not my path. That I don't sit in the seat of scoffers. I don't assemble with those who mock God, who are against God, but I... I surround myself with people who are for God. Now, let me just balance this out. The Bible says that Jesus was known for hanging around sinners. His motive was that they would find Him and grow in a relationship with God. That was His motive. Sometimes our motive is, I just like doing evil stuff. I just want to do these things. But Christ's motive was that He would draw them near to Himself under grace and love so that they would find God. And he wouldn't judge them, but he would draw them near with the love of God. And then God would change them. And so we want to be people who live the blessed life and careful around who we assemble with. That's really what it's saying. Who are you assembling with? Who are you known to be around? Not that you exclude yourself from people, but that you think, who do I want to be known for? Do I want to be known for someone who is sitting in a place that mocks God? or who is against God. The Bible says this is what a blessed person does. He delights in the laws of God and meditates day and night on the laws of God. In other words, that we're constantly thinking about God. Yes, yeah, sometimes our, our, our thoughts may drift if we're doing things and it'll drift, but what is, us, what is usually on your mind? I mean, what are we constantly thinking about? What are you thinking about right now? Are you thinking about the things of God? Or are you thinking about the Ravens and Patriots? What are you thinking about right now? Great, now you're going to think about that. What is constantly on your mind? Is it food? Is it shopping? What is it? Is it, is it going somewhere after church? What is it? What's, what's constantly on our minds? What do we think about? Bills, finances, job. What do we think about? The Bible is saying, if you want to live a blessed life, then God must be on your mind. Do meditate on the things of God, on His ways. And the blessing is that we'll be firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever He does, He prospers. That, to me, is the perfect picture of living a blessed life. Now, how do we apply it in our lives? How do we live out a blessed life? So well, the first thing and if you're writing this and taking notes practice living for the Lord. And that's number 1. Practice living for the Lord. But how do you do that? How do you practice living for the Lord? What 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 do you do in some practical ways? How do you how do you practice something that God teaches? But well, one thing I've learned is when you hear something that God says through His Word or in church or even from someone else, that right away you practice it. You put it into your life and you start to live that out. The other week I was talking to Ali Ammon, and he's one of our elders in our church. And he just celebrated, he and his wife Sissy, celebrated their 63rd sixty-third anniversary. Their wedding anniversary. <clears throat> And so I said, I said, okay, Ollie, I'm, I'm, Heidi and I are hitting our 20th anniversary this year in marriage. So give me some tips. What can I do to make sure my marriage stays strong and vibrant? And aside from the, you know, the, the, the foundation of the Lord and things like that, he said, continue to reminisce. I said, really? He said, yep. Keep reminiscing about the day you met about when you would date, keep reminiscing about those times and keep thinking about those seasons that you, you were together and keep dating each other. So I said, okay. So I practiced that. And so I would talk to Heidi and I said, Heidi, do you remember when we met? Remember when I was 12? Because that's when we met. I was 12, she was 13. And I said, like, like... You know you, 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 you know, you exchange letters, or oh, you let go at me, I go at you, you know, things like that. It wasn't really like that, but I, I, and we'll talk about that and reminisce and and talk about high school and, and uh, the, the old house in Kailua that uh, we used to be at, and just to reminisce. And, and then we actually had our, our son at an early age, and then we came to know the Lord, and that changed our life, and, and it, it makes so much sense when you practice these things. Because when it's in the practicing that it makes things that much more easier and it becomes a lifestyle. You begin living for the Lord. You're doing the things of God. And you're practicing, practicing what you learn from Him. When you learn something, especially in church or when you read, practice it right away. Or else, if not, we'll forget it quickly. But practice those things in big ways and small ways. I I want to share with you three things, and you can write notes if you need to. These three things have helped me tremendously in practicing living for the Lord. And when I first was coming to church, uh, and the pastor would speak, I would take notes. And then he would talk about reading the Word of God. And I would try, but I couldn't understand. You know, I would try my very best to read, but I kept reading. And some things didn't make sense. So I just bought a book and had some folder paper and and started to journal. I would just write what I'm learning in church and from God and in life. And I would write things down. And that, that helped me. Now, as I began to grow in the Lord and understood reading the Bible, then I understood a little bit more the scriptures. And I asked God to help me, the Holy Spirit to speak and to give me understanding. And that helped tremendously. And then I could journal, and we call it doing devotions. We'll read the Word of God, and then we'll write down what the Lord is teaching us. In fact, after a while, I began to read just uh, the book of Proverbs and the New Testament. But then I wanted the whole Bible. And so we have a reading plan. If you want to read through the whole entire Bible in a year, we have the reading plan outside uh, at our information center or our bookstore They have some journals, and you can read along with us through the entire Bible in a year, and you can journal, and it just helps us to practice the things of God, and it helps us to hear God and learn to know Him. we got to get to know God, because that helps us to live for Him. And that helped me tremendously. Also, the other thing was serving. That once I got involved with serving, then it helped me with my walk with God. Because it's in serving that there's... There's uh, support and there's encouragement. There's people praying for us. People will pray for you. And on the other side, there's also conflict. There's also disagreement. There's also animosity. There's also strife. And now you're thinking, I don't want to serve then if there's all of that. No, here's the good thing we must go through that in the family of God. Or else, how will God clean out what's on the inside? That's the only way it's going to happen. In-house cleaning is the best way. And it's through serving. Many times I thought to myself, I have a thousand reasons to stop serving. But all I need is one to keep me in the game. And it's that Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. When I understood that, I said, God, I'm in it forever. Until the day I see you face to face and I serve you in heaven, I will serve you. And we have to have that attitude. Otherwise, you'll quit just like that. If the devil knows your weakness, tell me that's not where he will attack. See, It's in the serving that God says, this is where you're going to practice living for me. Why? Because I want you to live a blessed life. It's all a part of the whole entire package then the other thing was giving now when i gave to the lord and when we started coming to church and the pastor would talk about giving and and i would be sitting there and i thought but i can't i don't have the finances for it when i get the finances then i'll give then i'll tithe but right now i can't and i thought but i you know i i don't want to give to the pastor i don't know what they do with the finances i don't i don't trust the guy i don't know what they're, they're doing with it But then I would learn and read from God's Word. I had to get away from the surrounding and from everything else that was happening. and I had to get back to the Word of God. And the Word of God said to bring my tithe into what we call the storehouse. And that was in the Old Testament, but that's what they did. They brought the tithe in so that everything could be done according to what God wanted to see happen. Then when I understood the the heart and vision behind tithing, then I knew I wasn't giving to a person I was giving to the Lord's work so that people could find Jesus Christ and they could find living a blessed life. And then when we understood that, we had to learn how to tithe. And in the beginning, we gave a little and we gave a percentage. We didn't give a full 10% yet. And I believe we would, when we got income, we would write the check out, not wait for Sunday morning because sometimes we would forget. And then... Or Sunday morning, we're thinking, ah, the bucket went by already, no need. So it, it, we had to learn how to tithe. And then on the way out, it's like God was saying, you can give it to the usher. Ah, oh, no, he's busy. So, you know, it was, it was working through all of that. But when I, when I understood that that for me to tithe was about God's kingdom and people finding Christ, oh, it was a no-brainer. Now I gave because I had God's joy, and I became a cheerful giver, rather than out of duty. Practice those things. And if you have to start off small, start off small, and then we worked our way up. According to the results of a worldwide study on charitable behavior, they said that happiness has a greater impact on a person's giving than it is their wealth. Isn't it interesting that when we have a joyful spirit, then we become more like Christ? And Christ himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, when we serve, when we tithe, when we give to God, when we do the things of God, you watch. You're now in the arena of living a blessed life. Jesus wanted to make it crystal clear and and point that out on the Sermon on the Mount. Remember in Matthew chapter 5, he said these words. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Jesus is giving us a list on living a blessed life. And it's opposite of that of the world. He's saying if if you want to be rich, then you got to be poor in spirit. Because when you're poor in spirit... The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. That when you're so dependent on the Lord, that you're saying, you're my source of life, the kingdom of heaven is yours. That you're poor in spirit, so dependent on Him. Blessed are those who mourn. He's saying, yeah, you're going to go through mourning. Life will hit. But in the end, you shall be comforted. There's blessing even in the mourning times. The meek, they shall inherit the earth. In other words, those are the people that God will use to make a difference in this world. You're the difference makers, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Where do you think that filling comes from? It comes from God. It comes from the Lord, the living water. He goes on and on to explain what it means to live a blessed life. Years ago, a friend of mine, and just in conversation, you know, it wasn't anything, you know, doctrinally correct or or theoretically sound. It was just talk and... And he was saying, you know, I, I know, you know, we're, we talk about going to church and giving and serving. But, you know, I go to church when I like. I give when I like. I serve when I like. I'm not going to do those things because somebody told me. I want to do it because I want to. And that person didn't need to worry about that much. You know, they had a, a wonderful family, healthy life, uh, uh, not have to worry about finances. But then one day, something happened in the family and, and health became an issue. And it was through that, that time of pressing in to the Lord that they understood what it meant to live a blessed life. That it wasn't about, oh, I do what I like when I want to, but it was, Lord, I want to live for you. That through that season of mourning and pain and going through those health problems as a family, as they drew closer to God, they began to understand what it meant to live a blessed life. That the blessings in life wasn't about things, it was who we are in God. That we're firmly planted by streams of the living water. And in whatever we do, we prosper. See, living a blessed life is not about everything going smooth. But the question I ask is, do I walk in the counsel of the wicked? In other words, do I listen to those who pull me from God's very best? Do I stand in the path of sinners? Or am I am I known more for what I don't do for God than what I do for God? Do I sit in the seat of scoffers? In other words, am I associated more with the ways of the world or the ways of God? Do I delight in the laws of God? Do I take great joy when God teaches me something? Even though it's difficult to do, do I receive it with joy? Or do I say, that's too hard, Lord, I can't do that. Do I meditate on His ways day and night? And so Jesus said this in John 13, 17, Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now we got to practice these things. It's in the doing that God says, you're going to be blessed. But sometimes it's hard because our identity is not in the Lord, it's in the world. It's in who we are, not in who God is making us to be. And how can we live a blessed life? Number two, identify myself in the Lord. Identify yourself in the Lord. See, before we came to know Jesus, we, we identified with something else. People would know us for maybe our career, maybe who we are in, in the community or how we grew up. Or maybe as old friends, we've identified ourselves in, in other things. But our identity is something that the Lord wants us to have in Him. Not that people will look at your life and say, oh, that person is, is such a Bible preacher type of person. Or that person is, is always uh, always preaching about God and, and trying to shove Jesus down people's throats. Oh, stay away from that person. No, not in that way. But that you live a life that's pleasing to God. That we live for Him. We identify ourselves in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17 It says, Therefore, if in, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yeah, because of God's loving grace and amazing forgiveness, He makes us a whole new person. But now, here's the catch. I now live for Him. No longer for myself. Listen very carefully. I must die to self in order to live for God. I must die to self in order to live for God. I cannot have both. One side must die in order for the other side to live. That must happen. You will either live for self and die to the things of God, or die to self and live for God. Your choice. It's your choice. I read this story, and and part of it is debatable, but in World War II, Winston Churchill was forced to make a painful decision. Well, the British Secret Service had broken the Nazi code and informed Churchill that the Germans were going to bomb Coventry. He had two alternatives. Number one, evacuate all the citizens and save hundreds of lives at the expense of the Germans identifying that they had broken the code. Or two, take no action, which would put hundreds in danger but keep the information flowing and possibly save many more lives. Well, Churchill had to choose and he followed the second course. Not an easy decision, but one that must have been made. Either I'm going to die to self and live for God or die to the things of God and live for self difficult decision, but one that must be made. Otherwise, I will not live a blessed life. See, choosing to identify with the Lord fulfills something of righteousness and becoming who He's making us to be. And Jesus did that. Jesus Himself identified with God. He identified with the ways of God. Remember when John the Baptist was baptizing people? That John the Baptist, he had a ministry of baptizing people in water, And it was for the repentance of sins, for the turning away of their sinful nature, turning away from their ways and turning towards God. And here comes Jesus at age 33, and uh, age 30, and then Jesus comes up to John, and John says, You're coming to me? I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. In other words, what John was saying is, I'm the sinner, not you. And here's Christ's response in Matthew 13 uh, excuse me 315 Jesus answering him said to him permit it at this time for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness then he permitted him Jesus was making it clear that in order to live a blessed life in order to fulfill all righteousness that our identity must be in the Lord Jesus himself made sure he identified himself in the ways of God. And he said, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. See, we're going to have to make some choices to live a blessed life. Really, it's our choice. And we choose what direction we're going to go. We choose what atmosphere we're going to live in, either God's or the ways of the world. We're the ones that are going to choose that. But can I encourage you in number three, write this in, to choose the atmosphere in which I want to live. It'll be our choice. What atmosphere we want to live in. Did you know that your surroundings play a huge part in living a blessed life? It was the poet, the Greek poet Menander, who stated, Bad company, good morals, doth corrupt. Almost sounds like Yoda. Yoda and Paul the apostle coined that and and brought it into brought it into the kingdom of God and breathed it to life. And in 1 Corinthians 15:33 he kind of quotes this guy but he he hears from God and he says it in this way, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. There's a proverb among rabbinic writings which says There were two dry logs of wood and one green log. But the dry logs burnt up the green log. See, our atmosphere makes a big difference. We cannot have both. Either we will live for the blessings of God or we will live and strive for the happiness of life. And it's, it's amazing that you, you'll feel the two, the battle between the two, because we'll be in one camp, in one atmosphere, and we'll say, God, I, I need help with my relationship. I need help in my, my marriage, my family. I need help in finances. He said, okay, here's how you do it. you got to do it my way. I'm, I'm providing the atmosphere for you. you got to obey my ways. Yeah, but it's too hard. But I do want your blessings. And he's saying, you can't have both. I'm blessing you, but you're not in it. Yeah, but I just, I, I just want to be happy, okay? If you just want happy, then you're going to leave everything to chance. You're going to leave everything by accident, whatever happens. So your happiness is dependent on circumstances versus you live in my blessings, you'll be blessed. And the result will be you'll be a happy person. Said so it's up to you, you're going to choose the atmosphere in which you are to live. It's kind of like this. If you have made a New Year's resolution this year and you said, I want to lose weight, I want to eat healthy, I'm going to drop 80 pounds, 30 pounds, 10 pounds, 2 pounds, whatever it is, that's what I'm going to do, and you hang out at the buffet line, that's not going to work. <laughs> I've tried that, trying to, you know, eat healthy and you're there and like, oh man, look at all that, oh man. And then you go by the dessert line, like, oh, that's my favorite, that's my favorite, you got to try that, you got to try that. You hang around there long enough, you're gonna give in. You know what you'll say, babe? Split them with me. Just, just give me one small, just like one small bite, just one bite. It's like coconut cream pie, please, just one small bite. And you, you stay there long enough, you'll give in. You'll easily give in. And God is saying, what, what surrounding do you want to have? What atmosphere do you want to put yourself in? It's your choice. If you want to live a blessed life, you got to decide. You know what is interesting? The prophet Jeremiah, he parallels this this scripture from the psalmist. In Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Tell me that's not an accurate picture, a clear picture of what it means to live a blessed life. Amen? And put away your notes and, and your Bibles. Let me just close with this, uh, this little story. There's an island called Cyprus, and it's it's on the eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea, and the Greeks called the island Cyprus, the Happy Isle. That's what they called it, and they believed that because of its geographical location, its fertile soil, and the, and the climate, that anyone who lived on Cyprus Island would live a happy life. And they had a word for this kind of happiness experience there. It was makarios, which meant a self-contained happiness. They believed that everything you needed to be happy, you would find right there on that island. And although we know that that's not true, that happiness is not found in a geographical location or found in a place of fertile soil or the climate... And we know that Jesus Christ is our Cyprus Island. When our life is rooted in the living waters of Jesus Christ, then how blessed is the man. How blessed is the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, But his delight, her delight, is in the laws of God. He meditates on his laws day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of living water. You'll bear fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. And in whatever you do, you'll prosper. I think our goal in life shouldn't be to be happy but to be blessed. Because when I'm blessed, I will be happy, not the other way around. Would you pray with me? What a blessing it is, Lord, to learn from you, to learn what it means to live a blessed life. Boy, many of us, we've experienced that and and sometimes we go back and forth in different atmospheres. But Lord, may we choose today to live for You, to identify ourselves in You, to practice living for You, do the things You've asked us to do. We start off in small ways, but that we would, Lord, obey You and trust You. and we would choose the atmosphere in which we would want to live. Lord, I pray for those this morning That maybe they're in an atmosphere right now that they're, they're searching for you. They're looking for something that will help satisfy their soul. Maybe they've been hungering and thirsting for something else besides you. Maybe it's time for them to come home to you. So if there's anyone here this morning that maybe the Lord has been speaking to you this morning... And He's been telling you all along that it's in Him that you'll find a blessed life. But you've never given Him your life. You've never said yes to Him. You've never given your heart to Him. Right now is your opportunity. And so I'll say a prayer and help you, but you mean it with all your heart. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for Jesus. Thank You for Your grace. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. I give you my heart. And I give you my life in exchange for yours. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer, I want to pray specifically for you. If you asked Jesus to come into your heart and you gave him your life for the very first time, could you just lift a hand just quickly so that I can see? And I want to pray with you. Go ahead, quickly. God bless you in the back. Anybody else? You said yes to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Right here, right here. Good. God sees your hand. Anybody else? Right here, right there, back there, back here. God sees your heart. He sees your hand. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that said yes to you. That they would begin to see you spiritually, with their spiritual eyes. No longer looking with their physical eyes, but that they would walk by faith in you. I pray for your blessing over them, their family, their children, their relationships, finances, their friendships and those who surround them. Give them the courage and strength as they choose to follow you, Lord, I pray for all of us. And boy, it takes it takes a, a a moment with you to recalibrate and get back on track with what it means to live a blessed life. So thank you, Lord, for pouring out your Spirit, the living water that keeps us fresh, bearing fruit, and in whatever we do. be able to prosper because we prosper in you in jesus name we pray we all said "Amen." amen amen amen